Hey everyone, welcome to the first episode of 2020, uh, episode 101, uh, where we usually give you uh, the lowdown on Switch 101. <laughs> I'm so sorry. And yeah, so uh, we've uh, been away, busy playing things over the uh, holiday break, so this is something of a, a catch-up special, just going over the things we've played. Uh, as usual, Andrew's played a lot more than me, but I, I have been stuck in a Dark Souls 2 coma for like the last month, and I'm jumping straight into Dark Souls 3, so that, that might not change anytime soon. But yeah, we'll, we'll just jump straight into some updates from last time we spoke. So the the only real update, Andrew, is uh, we we discussed before Christmas about uh, your switch was not feeling very well and um, was going to make a trip to the repair center. That that happened, I believe. Yes. And how did that work out for you? Well, you know, it was fine for the first two or three hours. Then the uh, hot sweats kind of went in and you know, the shaking <laughs> and just general withdrawal symptoms. But no, it was fine. <laughs> I just kept myself busy playing. <laughs> Uh, 3DS games have had backlogged, and I finally played Bloodborne on PlayStation 4. It was okay. <laughs> I love that one. Uh, how was the process for getting the Switch repaired? Quick? Did it take longer than you expected? Uh, I understand you've lost some of your saves. It did take longer than I expected. I've had to send my 3DSs in, too, which is a concerning for me because for decades I, I did not have any problems with any of my Nintendo hardware. Now it's my launched 3ds my 3ds my new 3ds xl still a terrible name and now my switch i've had to send in to get repaired <laughs> just for just things that have gone wrong through everyday use i don't know I, i'm just disappointed that their hardware quality i don't know if i want to say that it's gone downhill because you know as hardware gets more sophisticated it also needs more upkeep you know it's just part of how things are but mm -hmm. I don't know, I, I just, I didn't used to have a problem with Nintendo hardware. Now all of a sudden, inevitably, I have to send it in to get repaired. But I've always had a good experience with Nintendo's repair stuff. It did take about three weeks, I think. I, I really wasn't watching the clock that closely. Maybe it was two and a half weeks, but they got it done. So, <laughs> and it, it seems to be working. <laughs> the problem I was having was my micro SD card slot was no longer reading cards, basically, uh, which is a huge problem for the huge number of games I have. So I, I had to get that fixed. I couldn't just ignore it or work around it until the inevitable platform upgrade comes out. Now I'm, I'm just in the process of reinstalling all my games, which basically I'm just doing that at night while I'm asleep. The last thing I do during a day is I get all my software downloading onto a new card and just let it run all night and during the day i'm just playing it like i usually do and then i also have to recover all my saves from the cloud which is is not a fun process it's not automated like downloading is you have to go into each individual save and download it manually uh and not everything was backed up so splatoon 2 i have to start over from scratch and pokemon i have to start over from scratch and there are a few other games i do too that i have to start over but i'm not too sure what they are yet but the really important stuff, like Dragon Quest Builders 2, that luckily was saved to the cloud. If I had had to start my island on Dragon Quest Builders 2 over, I would have been absolutely devastated. Um, I am lucky, I guess, in the sense that I have a Switch Lite that I could have done a, a system transfer for those sorts of saves over. Uh, I think Dark Souls was one of those you lost as well. I did it? lose my Dark Souls save. I'm not that worked up about that because in the event that i did ever replay dark souls i was probably going to start a new save file anyway since i know what i'm doing so much better i could build my character better and develop weapons i would rather be using versus the experience i had on my, on my blind playthrough which was not the the smoothest run that it could have been <laughs> yeah so that's that uh, that's uh, an insight onto how that process works for uh, anyone that that might need to send those off i don't know how that works you know region to region the hardest part is just getting started because nintendo's support website it doesn't just have a an open repair thing that you can open a ticket and you can send it in it, it just doesn't work that way you, you have to pick through their glossary of every problem you could be having find the one that matches most closely and then it'll let you submit a ticket so that that's kind of the biggest pain in the butt of it is just figuring out how to get the process started i'm sure there's many many people who have just given up because it's not clear at all <laughs> just how to get it going um yeah i was just thinking like back to when my uh, ps2 back in the day was first playing up and the support in the uk was awesome they would like literally curry you out a new console the day after wow and you just do a straight swap like 
brilliant service, but I had to go through that seven times before I got a working one. Ugh. And then that one eventually broke as well, but that's another story. And then Sony here, like my PSVR is uh, broken and, and I can't just log a support ticket online. I have to call them during hours that I myself am working. Of course. Like when you have to go to the bank. <laughs> so I haven't been able to log it yet. So that's, that's pretty annoying. But yeah, I'll, I'll get there. I've got some time off coming up, so I'm going to do it. Then. So uh, let's move on uh, and look at the, the Switch news. So while we've been eagerly anticipating a, a proper uh, Nintendo Direct for January, Thursday. Uh, this Thursday, you think? Well, the two air quotes directs they've done so far this year have been on Thursday. So <laughs> I, I'm predicting that we're going to get a real one this coming Thursday. Ooh, yeah, because in the meantime, they've just been hitting us with everything but a mainline direct. So we've had some uh, Pokemon news first up focusing on an expansion pack so rather than release the, the the new third edition at full price with um you know a bunch of changes primarily for the end game here they're just releasing two dlc packs uh that take you to entirely new regions looks interesting but they're also bringing back a bunch of the pokemon they decided weren't allowed to join the party in the mainline game uh, and i'm absolutely really happy to say that Dedene lives and he will be back and i will have my party of Dedene's. Yep, so in the uh, the first DLC pack, they are giving us the Isle of Armor, uh, which I believe is a, a Mickey take of the Isle of Man, which is a, an offshore island off, off England. Um, and the second one will be the, the Crown Tundra, which is meant to be Scotland, I think, uh, just because of all the snowy highlands. And uh, it looks more like a Game of Thrones location from the art. They... they they showed off basically what Pokemon were coming back and just a, a load of uh, concept art, I guess, for for these different places. But they've also promised like new stories, the the returning Pokemon, new Pokemon, new legendaries, uh, and new wild areas, which excites me because I've, I've spent a bunch of time, even post-game, in roaming the wild area, searching for new things and, and doing the raids. I saw you allude to this, but this looks like the game that you wanted originally. It looks like it, but like you said, they just showed a lot of concept art. So I don't know what that mm. really means. And it could just be that they've, they've stuck some key buildings in in a new wild area and the wild area is still just a giant square. But <laughs> we'll, we'll wait and see uh, what they, they show us beyond concept art. And I have strong mixed feelings about this because, like, you know, it, it's what I wanted. Great. But... I have to play the base game to get there. I have to own the base game to get there. I have to pay more money on DLC on top of it just to get what I want. Uh, I don't know. We're, we're going to see how how I feel after I play through Pokemon this year because I am planning to go back to it once I'm done playing Tokyo Mirage Sessions. And we'll, we'll see how bitter I am, basically, <laughs> about, this, about the whole experience <laughs> after I finish the game, whether I'm going to get this DLC or not because that, that price point, bugs me yeah so as someone that was happy with the base game and i count it as one of my favorites in the series uh, i'm fine with it and I'm, I'm glad they're not doing the the third edition because i i've never bothered with one of those uh but they kind of have me by holding the donator to hostage so i'm gonna have to i guess i could get him through trades but i'd like to catch my own they also had some uh, news on the replacement for the pokemon bank which is going to be called pokemon home uh, it's another paid service where you can move all your old pokemon from previous games into it so they're all stored ready for usage and uh, the ones that are compatible with sword and shield will be able to be imported at, at whatever level you've you've built them up to previously uh so that that's a, a neat feature and something I'm, I'm glad they've always persisted with that ability to just sort of bring your things across uh, and they also announced uh, another pokemon game a remake of pokemon mystery dungeon uh, which which looks a lot like the Chocobo's Mystery Dungeon, uh, obviously with the the Pokemon theme. Uh, it looks very cute. I love the uh, watercolor art style on that. Any interest in that one? Not really. Fair enough. Uh, and then that takes us on to the the second direct, which is more of a yeah, Sakurai presents, uh, where they announced the fifth character from the the first DLC pack for Smash Brothers, uh, and you guessed it, it was another Fire Emblem character. Byleth, both male and female versions. Even as someone that really likes Fire Emblem Three Houses, this is not the announcement I wanted. 
it's just kind of boring and is surprising because he, he also made the joke about people wanting uh, Dante in uh, and not wanting to put another sword character in and then that was the outcome. Uh, what's your take on this one? I live on the west coast of the US so this Sakurai Presents video aired at 6 in the morning on a day that I had work. So I set my alarm to get up and watch it, and I got up right at 6, turned it on, and the video started playing, and I was like, oh, it's not going to be another Fire Emblem character. This is a fake-out. They're just doing this just to tease us, and then 30 seconds went by, and it was still Fire Emblem, and I was like, oh, <laughs> it really is another flipping Fire Emblem character. Okay, I went back to sleep, and I got two, mo- two more hours of sleep, then I went to work. <laughs> uh, I, I, I just... When... Terry Bogard came out, I said that this character is, is not for me. I, I was not interested in this character, but I, I recognized the value of this character being in the game. I don't feel this way about Byleth. There are plenty of Fire Emblem characters in Smash Brothers. There are more Fire Emblem characters than in any other franchise, and Fire Emblem has really only been as popular as it has been in the past 10 years, less than 10 years. It's just... I'm sure there's reasons for this. I'm sure somebody in an executive capacity declared that this was what the character was going to be, and they maybe did not have a choice. But I've also seen people saying that Fire Emblem is one of Sakurai's favorite series, so of course there's going to be a lot of Fire Emblem characters. Whatever the reasoning is, it's disappointing this is the last pick for this DLC pack is another Fire Emblem character, but there Mm. is another DLC pack coming with more characters, so... If it was the last DLC character they're ever going to release for this thing of Smash Brothers, I would be pretty annoyed right now. But now I'm just kind of looking at it as filler. You know, it's there. It's fine. People like Three Houses. I'm sure that there are going to be a lot of big Byleth fans. Clearly, neither me nor you are one of those people What we're excited about this. <laughs> but Fire Emblem has enough representation. There's more Fire Emblem characters in Smash Brothers than any other franchise, including Mario, including Zelda. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Just give Fire Emblem a rest. Here's my take on it, though. I love Three Houses, but there are, even if you were going to take a character from Three Houses, there are more interesting characters to pick yeah. from, uh, inclu- including the three house leaders. You know, because Byleth's there. He's just your avatar, Basically, there's no there's no character there. At least the others have their own characters and would would feel a bit more would have more personality uh, for this sort of game. Yeah, like give me like the Fire Emblem. I don't know his name, but like the kid who wears the pot helmet. Like make him a playable character. I will be yes. That's a good character for Smash yes. Brothers. I cannot remember but his just, name, but he's he's a boss in yeah, Awakening. But just <laughs> the. Empty slate self-insert character from Fire Emblem Three Houses is like okay, yeah, you're putting this in because Fire Emblem sold really well this year, and you're trying to get more crossover appeal. You're trying to get people who bought Fire Emblem to buy Smash Brothers, and people who bought Smash Brothers to buy Fire Emblem. That's why this character is here. This feels like a cynical marketing mm. decision to me. Agreed. Yeah, and that was it. Pretty much, they they did announce some uh, me costumes, including Cuphead, which is nice. I, I do like that they are championing a lot of uh, big indies in this way uh, we've obviously got undertale stuff coming and shovel knight's always always been featured so uh that that's always good to hear um like you i did think they were going to do a fake out like announce the fifth character and then also announce the first character of the next pack as like the the goodwill thing for giving everyone another fire emblem character but yeah alas wasn't to be uh but i look forward to seeing what's coming up next i i really hope there's some big surprises in there some just some really left field things but we'll, we'll see how we go. Okay, so now it's uh, time to talk about what we played while we were off on the break. Okay, uh, so we're going to start off with uh, you, Andrew. You've been playing Dauntless. Uh, I haven't looked into this one as I just once again bounced off Monster Hunter, the Generations Ultimate one. I, I did a couple of missions, I enjoyed it, and then I just I just completely lost my way and I... I, I tried to go back in briefly over Christmas and just gave up. Is this any better? Does this would this be like a better fit for someone in in that position who who just keeps bouncing off mon- Monster Hunter traditionally? I think it is. Dauntless is a free to play Monster Hunter clone, and it's a lot more focused than Monster Hunter is because every mission is you you, you just pick 
a mission you want to queue for that's fighting a giant monster that's dropping the parts you already know what parts it's going to drop and you can get them and there are far fewer parts to get together to craft the things you want you don't have to worry so much about like you know crafting potions and uh, blade sharpening tools and all that stuff it's really much more focused on just making your super end equipment and killing the monsters that provide it and that was kind of why I bounced off it too because I was looking at this game and thinking about what I'm going to be doing in the long term in it if I stay with it for that long I realized that pretty quickly I was going to be just fighting the same few monsters just over and over and over again and like you can upgrade your equipment by gathering these rare parts from these monsters and after a while you're going to need several dozen parts so it's going to take you a couple weeks to get enough of those parts to upgrade to the highest ends and it just it looked like it was going to turn into a grind and i looked at the battle pass too and looked at the things that are in it and it just looked like a lot of cosmetic stuff cosmetics are really cool but you can't use all of them at once so it felt like i was going to be unlocking a lot of cosmetics and then never using them so i just <laughs> it's just where i'm at in games right now where i am playing new releases and i'm always trying to move on to something new but if you're into Monster Hunter and you're looking for an alternative or if you're looking for something that you want to play every day that doesn't cost you anything, I think Dauntless actually would be a really good choice. It's just where I'm at in games, especially doing this podcast, if I was playing Dauntless every week, then it would I wouldn't be able to talk about other things. So it, it made the, the choice to not carry on playing it past the first couple days that I was playing it pretty simple. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I, I feel like as well there's only... People only have room for, like, you know, one live service game yeah. in their life alongside everything I've else. I've tried. You can't and I barely, <laughs> I barely find the time to do that because, you know, I'm always looking at the next experience. I, I do like an endpoint in games. So, yeah. Maybe I'll check it out. I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, so the, the first thing that I played while I was off uh, was uh, Yoshi's Crafted World, which I was using as my uh, antithesis for Dark Souls when that was getting too tense or too tiring. As we know, it's a shorter game. I, I breezed through it pretty quickly over a couple of days. I have to say, I think it was brave of Nintendo to decide to reimagine Avengers Infinity War uh, with Yoshi as Thanos uh, collecting all, all right. the Infinity Gems. Uh, with uh, okay. and Kamak as uh, Doctor Strange. I'm making a really rubbish analogy. Uh, but that was the story. Uh, <laughs> you are Yoshi. You are inevitable. And you have to go around collecting these gems <laughs> from from every level to uh, restore order to the world or something. In the realms of the, the game itself, this is what I've... If you've been listening to the show for a while, I've come to label as B b-tier nintendo uh, and when i say that i usually mean that it's a pleasant time but not particularly amazing or challenging or memorable in fact yoshi in particular is incredibly easy um now i, I know you touched on this before about how uh, when you finish a level you can jump back in f- to do some like ancillary stuff you know like find the poochies go mm-hmm. back for collectibles uh how i tend to play these these like nintendo platformers is uh, i'll just play through until I hit a stopping point uh, this much like a load of the Mario games on the map you you sort of get it off by collectibles here it's uh, the flowers that you need to collect uh, and I hit I, I just play naturally going through once I try and find everything and then if I hit a block of the wall then I'll go back to the earliest level and start doing the extra stuff to get more flowers to, to sort of get through those gates um, I never actually hit that point in here I, fa- I found always found enough of the flowers to get through every gate so i never felt that desire to go back and the few times i did just out of interest i just didn't find it very interesting i'm not really a completionist though so maybe completionists will find it more interesting in that respect uh but i think i, I always think of you as a completionist and i don't think you found it that interesting either to be honest uh it, it's hard for me to claim being a completionist because i i rarely actually do complete games but when i'm playing them i do play them like i am going to complete Mm -hmm. them it's just when i hit the credits i'm usually ready to stop yeah (laughs) it's rare that i like a game enough that i decide to keep going past the credits uh so that's the kind of completionist i am uh so i was 
playing Yoshi's Crafted World as though I was going to complete it, which means I was replaying the levels to find all the the scavenger hunt stuff and find all the poochies. Mm -hmm. So I was replaying levels a lot and that got grading very quickly. Yeah, I I was pretty down on Yoshi's Crafted World back in March or April when it launched last year and my feelings towards it have not changed yeah. so <laughs> i uh I, i'm glad i didn't really bother to go back in and, and do the extra stuff i think i i think equally i would have found it just as grading it's like i'm never not having a nice time but it's enough <laughs> you know what i mean um i do want to really like praise the visual design i think it looks gorgeous I love how everything looks like it could legit have been crafted. I like seeing the cracks in the crafting, like when the level flips the other way around and you can uh, like see the the brands of the boxes that we used to build the, the levels. With, it has some great callbacks to Yoshi's Cookie, the puzzle game. I, I, I love how like Yoshi looks like he's made out of material, uh, but I swear Bowser Jr. and Kamek look like they're made out of round trees, fruit pastels instead of material. Uh, the whole time I was like, yep, they look delicious. I'd like to eat those. <laughs> I thought the boss fights were, were its high point, And particularly I like the the design of those and how they, they sort of come together when, when Kamak does his magic thing. I thought that was always a delight. Yeah, there's not much to say about it. It's just it, it's just a, a, a nice game that sort of pleasantly plods along, but it's, it's not particularly memorable. The one thing I did want to know actually is uh, the Be Afraid of the Dark level uh that was the only memorable part and that's because it was very terrifying yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some of the haunted house levels and that level they were pretty good but they were few and far between i just wasn't expecting psycho serial killers to run at me the other thing that hit me as well is in every other game yoshi is presented as a singular character but in this one it's a species so like is yoshi a hive mind you haven't played many mario <laughs> <laughs> no, I have not. <laughs> this is pretty common, yeah. actually. It's just it was just um, something that struck me in this this particular one, where it's just like, why is he a personality in others, but then a hive mind in this one? Yeah, just it's just one of those little weird observations. But yeah, uh, that was it. Just a, a pleasant game, but nothing particularly memorable. You should play Yoshi's Island on your Super NES app. I have constantly been meaning to. I, I've heard it's great. <laughs> The last one I played of that era would have been World before I moved on to PlayStation. Yoshi's mm. Island is a very different game, but it's very good. Yeah. Uh, I've heard it's a lot more challenging. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So let's uh, move on. So we talked about Assassin's Creed uh, Rogue as part of the, very briefly, as part of the, the double pack that you uh that included uh, Black Flag as kind of like the main event. Uh, this was the, the last-gen game that was released around the same time, and I know you're looking forward to this one because it's, it's always had a, a bit of a positive buzz. The buzz was more that this game got ignored and it, it didn't deserve to be ignored. And now that I've played it, I, I said in our episode a couple episodes back that it was kind of Black Flag 2, and that is still the way that I feel about it. Mm-hmm. But the kind of sequel that's made solely because the first game did well, not because they actually have anything new to do with the game, which actually describes a lot of the Assassin's <laughs> Creed series. Uh, I didn't dislike it, but I, I do feel it, it's a pretty mediocre to average game, especially compared to Black Flag. I, it didn't really excite me at any point, and even though you're playing as Shea Cormac, who is the first Templar protagonist in the series, you know, you're playing as the bad guys for once, and you're seeing mm. things from their perspective, it it still wasn't all that interesting. <laughs> uh, it just The story, the way it was told, was so fragmented, and I didn't really get to know any of these people, even though that would you would think that would be the main draw to the game is, you know, seeing the Templars as complete people for once instead of just as the villains that you're supposed to sneak up on and stab to stop them from doing miscellaneous evil stuff. Basically, this was a game that was put out so that way last-gen consoles would have an Assassin's Creed game because not everybody had bought a PlayStation 4 when Assassin's Creed Unity had come out. And that's kind of what the game feels like. It just it feels like a filler game that was put out for those people who hadn't splurged on a brand new console yet. Yeah. It, it was 
it's a nice thing to have in the Rebel collection. Like, I, I don't think anybody's going to be mad that it's there, but Black Flag and Freedom Cry are are the reason that mm-hmm. you're buying that package. Assassin's Creed, man. If, if it's one of those series, if it, if it just came out like every two years across that uh, those early periods, I think I would like be obsessively into this every time. I just got complete fatigue around Assassin's Creed Three. That is how they've gone, though. It is coming out every yeah. two years now, or if not more. Yeah. Uh, but Odyssey is supposed to be just absolutely massive. So maybe maybe you'd need those two years and. Uh, the the rumor is now uh, that there is not going to be an Assassin's Creed release this year. We'll see if that changes. But uh, th- there there was a lot of buzz around the first week of the year that the new Viking Assassin's Creed game was going to come out this year uh, for current-gen and next-gen consoles. And then somebody involved in the industry in some capacity came out, and what he said was, the rumors you've been hearing about the next Assassin's Creed are not true. So what exactly that means, we don't know, but one of the things it could mean is there's not going to be an Assassin's Creed game this year, and there's going to be a three-year gap between Odyssey and Assassin's Creed Viking. So, you know, they, they seem to have learned a lesson there with that, with oversaturation with Assassin's Creed, because that was a serious problem. Yeah, and doubling back to the Pokemon thing, I think that's a, a release window they could really benefit from as well. So they're, they're not you know constantly re you know releasing something every year just to just to appease uh people that want that year's pokemon it, well and then but also we now have data of the top 10 best selling games of the past decade and i think 8 of them are call of duty games <laughs> so mm-hmm. clearly in terms of money <laughs> that plan does work yeah yeah i mean i guess the difference is call of duty is sort of embedded in into people who aren't say the core yeah gamers that would play pokemon um you know there there are people that just play casually and that would be the only game they buy that year it's like it's like their big blockbuster mm-hmm. it's like movie for the year sort of thing there's like the core gamers like you and me who buy a lot of stuff mm-hmm. and then there's the call of duty crowd more power to them and then there's the fifa players like i don't yeah. know anybody who plays well actually you do but you're the only person Sometimes. i know who plays fifa and yet it's like one of the best selling <laughs> game series out there and i'm like yeah. Who are these people? <laughs> I, I did actually uh, jump into Call of Duty this year on on PC. I had the opportunity, so I thought I'd take a look. I judge you. Um, you should, but uh, it was the like the reason I bailed on Call of Duty is because I was fed up with the same pattern, similar to why I stopped yeah, playing. Yeah, the sameness and just the glorification of of war yeah. and you know shooting brown people i just i just and got really uncomfortable with that series so i just i quit playing yeah. it i'm the same um and the only times i've jumped back into war games recently were uh spec ops the line because i heard it was different mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh valiant hearts because it you know it did something about the people affected by the war brothers in arms which i just wrote, wrote about recently for ign sorry quick plug um because of the way it handles the story and the effects on on the people in it rather than just being like you know, heroic killing machines. Very heroic in air quotes there. What I will say about the one I just played is it comes the closest to actually saying something about its subject matter, but then undoes it with some, like, weird revisionism Aww. and make, making it, like, the bad guys just end up being cartoon vil- villains. Like, it, it's just so agonizingly close. That's an aside. Um, but it did sort of restore my faith that they were actually trying to do something interesting for a change. So, uh yeah, uh, it was my, the the only reason I jumped in is because I wanted to play a you know big FPS on my PC and see how different it felt to what I I'd played on consoles. But yeah, sorry, sort of side back onto Switch stuff. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games Tokyo 2020. Unexpectedly, I grabbed this one. I'll say uh, the reason why I got it is because uh, last year I was a bit of a Mario Party convert. Uh, it was fun to break out at Christmas and, and play something like party game with my wife, uh, which we we sort of break that out every time we're on leave or, uh, you know, like public holidays and stuff. And I wanted to, an alternative and I thought this might be it. Uh, so it's based, the game is Mario Sonic doing Olympic game events, uh, of which there's a huge range. Uh, most are very simple where you sort of, you know, you tap the button as fast as you can to run quickly or do uh, context button presses at the right time. 
Some are more complex, such as uh, gymnastics, which comes to my first criticism is is that there's no like practice mode where you can get used to the timing to do well. It's all just, <laughs> it'll be all right on the night and uh, yeah, screw you. It does make it a bit more random uh, for like if you're trying to play it as a party game, I guess. But as soon as someone nails the timing, then they become that guy <laughs> while the other still struggles. So with that, it is that it's most fun when you're playing it with someone else that also doesn't understand anything. Uh, and that, from that alone, it made it a good uh, purchase, like from a, for a couple of hours perspective. Um, and there's also a bunch of like eight bit takes on the events, uh, which sort of stem from the story mode, which I'll I'll go into in a second. And some of the the games are really fun. So there is like a a football game in there, uh, soccer. Sorry, and like that just had me hankering for another Super Mario Strikers. Yeah, because uh, that. That game is phenomenal, yeah. and Sega Soccer Slam. Give me another one of those. This 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 sort of gave me those vibes, though, and it's like you know, like flesh this out. Give me something like this. <laughs> uh, we need this back. Uh, and there's a couple of, of games like that. There's a, a rugby one, which was surprisingly fun, and you know, just something a bit meaty to sort of sit between the the, the short events. One of the big problems though, it needs a, a playlist mode because you just literally go into a menu and you pick events either from random. So you you pick it, you jump into it, you beat it in a couple of minutes, and then you have to pick the next one yourself. Um, you're never forced to have any variety. I, I, like it's pri- primarily a party game. Like not having like a a playlist mode or or just a random playlist feels like a massive miss because <laughs> you could just put that in and you know play as a group for a couple of hours and you know work your way through a bunch of things. But it's just there's just nothing like that. Or you know like a mini Olympics competition. You know, like it just picks ten events and you go through, and the winner gets the most points or whatever. Like that just seems such a huge miss. Um, now the story mode was certainly interesting. Um, I played through it in a single sitting. <laughs> Took me about four hours. Uh, so the uh, the premise is Mario and Sonic decide to have a date at the Olympics, and but while while they're uh, doing their their friends' day, Bowser and Robotnik or Eggman have joined forces to create a games console called Tokyo 64. Uh, when turned on and everyone is touched by its light, it pulls them into the game. Uh, unfortunately frustrated by Mario and Sonic failing to hit the button, they also get pulled in. And then it becomes a race of them trying to get through the the console's back like backdoor exit by collecting as many gold medals as they can. So it's weird because uh, the game that they go into takes them to the 1964 Tokyo Olympics, but then the heroes go to their 8-bit and 16-bit sprites from the 80s, which makes no sense. <laughs> uh, but they do some fun gags here, like when he's in 8-bit form, Mario can only speak in jumps. <laughs> uh, and it, it has Sonic talking to him like he's Lassie. So it's like, what's that, Mario? You've got this event? <laughs> um, seems like a bit of shade thrown from from sega there because i don't remember sonic talking in the original games either but <laughs> no he just wagged his finger and glared at people because he was totally exactly. radical yeah exactly and robotnik and bowser are terrible at hiding their plans so uh, mario and sonic catch onto it pretty quickly and and then they all start competing in the events uh the story switches then back and forth between the the old 64 uh, and the present day, where you play as Luigi, who's trying to save the others. He's kind of like the real protagonist in this one. Uh, so you travel around Tokyo. Uh, it's got like a world map, so Luigi looks like a keiju uh, stomping around. Uh, and you you basically just go around competing in events, collecting the characters associated with those events, and then they'll, they'll help you save the day. You could, There's a surprising amount of freedom when you get to the arenas. You can walk around, talk to characters, talk to people... Uh, what's cool is they give you a lot of history and trivia about the Olympic Games, specifically in regards to Tokyo. Uh, there are like mini quiz questions, but they don't do anything. Like they ask you the question, and you just press the button to reveal. There's no like point system or you know benefit to doing it. But they're fine. It, it's like interesting little bits of trivia, and there's some video game trivia in there as well, interspersed. Uh, and much of the story just plays out like a visual novel. Uh, so there's you know the dialogue segments. Uh, and then they're interspersed, where you, you basically go through and play every single event once. Um, it does make the pacing a little plodding for a sports game. You would want it to be a bit more exciting. Uh, and it, while it's pretty charming and there's you know some good gags, there's just a lot of predictable stuff. I, I admire the premise a lot, but the, 
that execution is a shame. It's almost it's almost there. They should have just done more interesting stuff with the sports stuff in it. Um, but my favorite thing is that it paints the Olympics as some sort of like lawless slap slapdash sports event where anyone could just wander in off the street minutes before an event's going to start and then just choose to compete in whatever they like. But then I guess people might not want to say no to a ten foot talking spiny turtle. I don't know. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it was interesting, uh, but yeah, some some big misses in terms of its um, ability at being a party game because uh, there's no real point to it like there is in say a Mario Party where you know you're trying to win. And the story mode is just for a sports game. They they could have done more with that, but it's it's certainly interesting and it's got a lot of charm. Okay, moving on, Nino Kuni Wrath of the White Witch. That's on here. I guess that means you finished it. I did finish it. Yes. Cool. And how did you find it? I was pretty lukewarm towards it. Uh, I never really connected with the familiars that you recruit. It's kind of a mons fighter. Mm-hmm. It kind of isn't. Like, uh, it, There is the option to just fight with your regular people, but the way the game kind of teaches you the systems, it, it, it almost feels like it's telling you not to bother doing that, so I basically didn't until like literally the final boss fight which I was really struggling with, and then I looked up online how to do it, and they said, oh, you just want to use all these magic spells, which I literally played the entire (laughs) game not once using them in combat. So I I might have missed out on something in the process of playing the game that maybe that was why I I didn't enjoy it as much as I could have, but just the way the game teaches you the combat systems, it feels like the familiars are what it's all about. So the familiars are all I ever used. So, <laughs> But they just felt so interchangeable with each other. They didn't really have any personalities, which I guess is similar to Pokemon. But, you know, still when I'm playing Pokemon, I still feel like I got more attached to them than I do anything that I was using in this game. The story just... I don't know how I feel about the story, really. Um, it, it, it's very, it's not badly written, and you know, it's got Studio Ghibli helped with the visual design, so it looks really good. But all these like realization just kind of seemed to just happen. <laughs> uh, it, it didn't go to the depths I was expecting it to, which I think was why I came away a little bit disappointed with it. It, it all these acceptance of his mother's death. And the way it happened just seemed too easy to me, Uh, especially since it was all wrapped up in in how the game resolves. Uh, So it's a good RPG, but not the best one I played last year. I yeah i I really enjoy the story as like a twee sort of take on on depression and grief. That said, I'm I'm still not really far in my my replay of it. I I I stopped playing it because of the realization that Tokyo Mirage Sessions was this week. So I, uh-huh, and I yeah. figure I should <laughs> I should focus my intentions on something I haven't played before, but did own. I I never really felt like Ollie was depressed past that first, like that first opening hour of the game where he you can actually see that he has been devastated by the death of his mother. But then he goes to this other world and he thinks that he has this chance to undo that and. I guess it's a spoiler to say that doesn't happen, but I think that's pretty predictable in this kind of story. Like, no, it doesn't work that way. Death yeah. is permanent. Uh, but Ollie just just is like, okay. And I was like, no, 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 no. This is a kid who has lost his mother. This is, and he is in denial up to this point, or at least I thought he was. Uh, but that is not how the game handles that situation. And I was, since that was the moment that I was playing the game to see, and then it was just such a deflating, let's get this over with, let's end this game, let's move on with this plot kind of moment. I was like, uh, okay, that was that could have been so much better. <laughs> I, I guess my reading of it more is a, probably a little meta rather than like literally in the story, whereas I saw uh, the the fantasy world as his coping mechanism for coming out of it, which is something I, I was able to like relate to from uh, when I suffered depression because games were my coping mechanism for that a lot of the time. It was just like an escape, so I got that. And then also, I thought the, uh, you know, like the the top up on on pe- top up of people's emotions thing was a like it sort of got tiring. 
the more it went on, but it was like just like a nice little nod to like the effects of things that depression can cause. And then of course there's like bits where you like literally help someone fight their demons, which was you know little on the nose, but uh, you know that's most of the course of this this sort of storytelling. Well, just as someone who puts up with depression actually a lot in their life, I've I'm I have depressive spells constantly. This game didn't speak to me. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I don't have. The kind of depression that Ollie has. Ollie has something very much worth being depressed over. It's very understandable. Mm. Whereas my depression is is chemical. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just saw that as his coping coping mechanism. So, but yeah, that's fine. I am looking forward to trying Tokyo Mirage Sessions. Actually, I'm just glancing up at my Wii U copy for some reason. Okay, well we'll move on. Uh, we'll stick with Level Five though, because uh, I've been playing another of one of their games. Uh, which is Leighton's Mystery Journey, Catriel and the Millionaire's Conspiracy. Uh, this is a puzzle game by Level 5 that was originally released on 3DS, uh, finally here on, on Switch 2. Um, now, I've only played one uh, Leighton game before. Have you played any? I played uh, Phoenix Wright versus Leighton, whatever that game was called. Yeah, uh, that was that looked a- Ace Attorney versus yeah. Professor Leighton, I think it was called. I, I actually preferred the latent puzzles because mm-hmm. i didn't think that the phoenix right half of the game lived up to the rest of the series yeah uh, but i wasn't that impressed with it okay uh, so in this one uh professor you play as a uh, professor Layton's daughter uh catriel uh she sets up her own detective agency in london uh she has an assistant who adores her but it's completely she's completely oblivious to it even though she's a master detective uh, and uh there's another character called shell who is a talking dog uh, which is kind of where the story starts because uh, she'll approach his cat with the idea of her finding out who he is and why he can't why he can talk uh, that sort of gets put aside very quickly uh, as it settles into sort of its uh, latent rhythm I guess so you basically you get a case uh, you travel around to these pre-rendered locales to look for clues you'll talk to witnesses uh, you'll search the environment and in most cases anyone you talk to will give you a puzzle if you think people in the pokemon world are obsessed with pokemon you haven't seen anything yet until you talk to people in the latent world about puzzles basically the, the story goes through all these charming twists and turns with ridiculous outcomes as you go through there are other things to find you'll find side puzzles in the environment you'll find collectibles and hint coins uh so here's my hint check every light bulb because that's usually where they're hiding and now there's a new thing where you can get currency to buy clothes for catriel and shell and to sort of decorate the agency uh but there's nothing there that particularly adds anything to the gameplay uh but the story-wise you sort of just sort of you sort of just follow the bouncing ball around uh talking to the like the the people that you need to like on the critical path uh they'll give you a puzzle after that you'll get a clue as to part of the overall picture uh and you how that plays out is there's like a faux jigsaw thing that's in the shape of one of the key items in the case and you sort of slot it into its place it's kind of pointless doesn't really add anything uh but in the last one i played which was uh professor layton and the miracle mask uh there at the end of each case there'd be sort of like a, a deduction mechanic where you kind of solve the case and pull all the clues together there's nothing like that in here it just sort of resolves everything for you when it gives you those uh ridiculous outcomes there's there's no like payoff to that which is a shame. I kind of miss that interactivity and follow through with, with the things that you find out. Um, but my main complaint so far is the same as with with that last Leighton game, uh, Miracle Mask, is that the puzzles start repeating. They get harder, which is fine. Uh, but I kind of hope for more variety than in the previous game I played, and I'm already hitting repeats just a few cases in. It is all done with this wonderful Ghibli style art style that the series has always had. Uh, it does look a lot like Nino Kuni, and it's got these like gorgeous animated sequences that are short and just sort of act as interludes to each scene or major scenes and between each case uh typical level five sort of stuff really now that said i am still pretty early in which is why i'm you know just a bit annoyed about the repeating puzzles already uh i am sort of just playing it as like my bedtime reading game so i'll do a couple of puzzles before going to sleep i suspect at some case uh so at some point the story will converge uh because it all kind of it sort of feels all fun and charming and everything but it's lacking the urgency that uh professor Layton and the miracle mask had and that had me hooked from the off um there are some signs that it might cover some stuff so uh 
as part of the story, Professor Layton is actually missing, but it doesn't seem like uh, Catriel likes him very much, so I'm sure there's more to come come from that. It's very similar to the previous Layton games, as far as I can tell from my my one game history with it, uh, but it is missing some stuff that, that I thought kind of made the experience for me. Uh, I'll stick with it. I, I do want to see this one through, so I'll, I'll keep you posted if any of those mechanics change or if it, uh, the story picks up in any way. Uh, yeah, so we'll come back to that one later. Okay, Andrew, you've also replayed the second best game of all time, Resident Evil 4. Yeah, and it holds up on Switch. Uh, I don't. I heard some people complaining about how it ran in docked mode and how it supposedly ran better handheld, but I played through the whole game in docked, and it, it seemed comparable to when I played it on the Wii and on the GameCube. I didn't really have any problems with it. Yeah, I love this game in 2005, and I still it's love so it today. Good. It is it such still a holds good game. Up. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I talk about this, I think, on Twitter more than I've talked about it here on the podcast, but I, I don't believe that games age badly. I think if a game today, you don't think it's any good, it was no good when it came out either. You just, you didn't have the experience to know any better, which is why I like Resident Evil 4 today, and Resident Evil 5, I think, it was a disappointment when it came out. I still think it's a disappointment today, even though Resident Evil 4 is technically more primitive uh, I think it's designed around its primitive aspects better because that's what makes a game hold up is uh, how well it's designed and how well that design works with the limitations of the technology that it's on. And Resident Evil 4 was an incredible game because even though it was a GameCube game, it worked with what the, the system was capable of doing really well. So even when it's ported to more powerful hardware, it stays within those strictures of that original design, mm-hmm. and that makes it still amazing. So, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 just one of those games where it just gets it literally just gets better and better and better and better all the way through, mm-hmm. and by the time you finish it, you just it's just like I can't believe just like the twists and turns and the, just the sheer quality of how it's constantly surprising you and constantly keeping on on your toes. I suspect some people these days might not like the Ashley as a character and those particular segments. There's uh, one area yeah. in particular I'm thinking of, but I've, I've never failed that that section. It's an escort quest, but it's not for the entire game. And mm. Ashley actually is, she's okay at staying out of trouble. And there are, there's always ways that you can work around her being in the way. Like she does duck if you point a gun in her direction. So you mm. just have to watch and make sure that you're not firing until after she's ducked and there's always some room where you can stick her so that way you can i'm thinking of i think we're both thinking of the same room in the castle Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, so that's not a problem and like when you first get her at the start of the game there's a short escort part where there are literally dumpsters you can tell her to hide in she's completely invulnerable she's perfectly safe for as long as you need to be so yeah there, there are escort quests part of the game that involve ashley they're they're not the best parts of the game but uh, it goes back to what I said about design is you can still design a game well to work with even things that people hate, like escort quests and Resident Evil 4, their escort quests are they're still escort quests, but they're not the worst escort quests in the world. So I, I don't mind them that much. And even the quick time events done really great in this one. I, I have no problem mm-hmm. with them here. I think um, this was the first game I played that had quick time events, certainly that had prominent quick time events. Yeah, and I reckon. There's 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 an issue of accessibility with quick time events, mm-hmm. and that's definitely a problem, especially with Resident Evil Four, because quick time events are very prominent and they require like button mashing and split second timing. There's an entire boss fight that's nothing but quick time events. Mm-hmm. It would be nice if they added uh, an accessibility mode that just bypassed these features. But you know, uh, I think. Resident Evil 4 is one of the games that did quick time events well. Like, not like Bayonetta, which has awful quick time events. I hate them in that game, but <laughs> I love them in this game. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was helped on the original uh, GameCube release because of the, the big A button. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the big green A. Gotta love yeah. it. Um, I'm sorry to take it off Switch thing again. I, I picked this up in uh, a Steam sale for like six bucks or something. Mm-hmm. It's um, always really cheap on Steam, and uh, like my my excitement was mouse and keyboard aiming is going to be top notch, uh, but <laughs> no. but the way they work the uh, camera turning is just 
so bad and mm. I've, i found a hack to fix it but it's not very good and it makes the gameplay really slow and and plodding like even more so um because it uses the mouse movement right and left to move the camera so you feel Ugh. like you feel like you're moving it like you would in an fps but then as soon as you hit forward he just goes off in the opposite direction it's infuriating so yeah play that one with a pad <laughs> there's no motion controls on this release is there there's not resident Dang. evil 5 and 6 came out on switch and they do have motion controls for some reason resident evil 4 doesn't which is 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 really disappointing because like we we spent half of last year talking about that about excited we were to play resident evil 4 with motion controls in high definition because <laughs> the wii version of resident evil 4 was so incredible and then this this doesn't have motion controls, <laughs> but they could still be patched in later. I'd believe it, especially since like Resident Evil Five and Six have them. Revelations One and Two has them. Resident Evil Four doesn't. Mm. Uh, it it could happen. <laughs> okay, uh, well well let's move on. Um, so let's take a quick detour. I'm using driving terms there for a reason. Uh, you uh, got hold of a Hori Mario Kart Racing Wheel Pro Mini. I did, and I was looking at the screenshots online of this. There's there's two models. There's the Pro Mini and the Pro Deluxe. And when you're looking at the screenshots online, the Pro Mini, it, it does look like a toy. Mm-hmm. And the Pro Deluxe has, like, like rubber pads on the wheel, and it's a darker shade of red. It looks like a much more professional product. But the Pro Deluxe is also much harder to get in the u.s i don't think it was ever actually released here so if you do find it on sale in the u.s it's been imported so it costs quite a bit more too so the pro mini is what i ended up getting because it was much cheaper and it was much easier to get and then when i opened up the box i was actually pretty happy with the build quality it's bright reds and blues and a white color on it but when i actually touched it and I was like moving it around as like this feels like a quality product. I was actually really happy with it. So I sat down over the Christmas break, just desperate to find a game I hadn't played before to play this because it, it's got fully uh, programmable buttons on it. You just you hold down the mode button on it and then you press one of the buttons on the wheel and then you can reassign it to any other button by pressing that button again and you can adjust left turn and right turn and it's got these two big paddles underneath the wheel basically it's kind of like a trigger that that's how you activate the items and uh you're power drifting playing mario kart in the default controls but i could i could reassign all these buttons to anything i wanted i could play any game i wanted on here as our editor craig immediately suggested dark souls i was like "Mm, (laughs) no thank you (laughs) but uh someone will do it someone probably already has (laughs) but (laughs) um there was a, a, a free-to-play racing game that came out late last year. It's called Asphalt Legends. I really wanted to play that because it looked like it had a cool like daily quest scheme in it. And it looked like it was a pretty good-looking game for a free-to-play game. And it's also it's a racing driving game. But the wheel would not acknowledge the game in any way. Hmm. So that didn't happen. Uh, I played Beach Buggy Racing for a while. That worked. Uh, I have nothing to complain about that, except that Beach Buggy Racing is just an interminably boring game. So I played that for like an hour, and then I was like, oh yeah, I'm done. Uh, I finally just went back to Mario Kart. Played online for a little while, and I was getting my butt kicked, quite frankly. (laughs) So I thought that was was, uh, the learning curve with the racing wheel, so I went back to playing just offline by myself. And even playing on 150cc, I was getting gold. I was like, oh, okay, actually... I guess the people online are just really good right now. <laughs> uh, and I played through all the cups in the game just in an evening with my racing wheel. Got golds all the way across. It felt completely natural. It feels a lot better to play than it does to play with motion controls with the racing wheels Nintendo's been making for years. Because it, it just it's more tactile to play when you're actually using a wheel that's attached to a console. Uh and it's got much bigger buttons to press. It, it, it just feels better to play. It was more natural to use mm-hmm. than playing like Mario Kart with a Wii controller, which I've done extensively, but it just it never felt authentic. Yeah. This feels authentic. Pretty much any kart racer that comes out or any racing game I play on Switch right now, you can assume I'm going to be playing it with my racing wheel because I'm, I'm really happy with this product. Oh, nice. 
Okay, so moving on from one peripheral to another, Ring Fit Adventure Rancher. Tell me about it. Ring Fit Adventure was the other game I got for Christmas, and we, as did the rest of the internet, made fun of that creepy commercial they put out for it on <laughs> YouTube. But when we got past that commercial, and I was actually looking at the game, and I was looking at the peripheral, I was thinking this actually looks interesting. So yeah, I put it on my Christmas list and I got it for Christmas <laughs> and I haven't been able to play it much because my switch was gone for most of our hiatus getting repaired. Uh, but I, I have played it for about five days for like five sessions and I, I'm, I'm pretty happy with this game so far. Uh, it, it comes with the ring itself, which you slot one of your Joy-Cons onto and it has another, uh, leg strap that you put the other Joy-Con onto, and that's kind of how the game keeps track of all your movements. And it's an actual like RPG adventure. Mm -hmm. uh, you it drops you into the game world, and you actually have to walk forward along this this path. It there are like branches a little bit, but so far the only branches I've encountered, you have to go down by missing jumps, uh, and basically you just keep moving forward by just either walking in place or thankfully there's a silent walking mode where uh, you can move forward just by bouncing in place moving mm -hmm. your knees up and down uh I, I do live on the second floor of an apartment <laughs> building so i was immediately conscious about how much noise i was making uh stomping in place to move uh so i, I played one level with the regular walking mode immediately switched to silent running mode and I had a much better time with it since then. Uh, so if you're worried about noise, that is the noisiest thing you're going to do. And it gives you options on that. You can expel air from the ring in the game and you can aim it around with like motion controls. You can push gusts of wind forward that will break crates in the way, or maybe crates that are hidden off to the left and right that have items inside of them. And also to open doors in front of you. Uh, you can point the ring downward and expel air, and that'll boost you into the air so you can get over some gaps, and that's where some of the alternate pads are at if you miss those jumps. Uh, and you can also pull the ring outward, and that will cause air to rush in, which lets you suck in coins that are hidden off to the left and right side of the coin as well. And it's an RPG, so there are things to buy. You can buy equipment. You can buy healing items at shops in between levels. Uh, and then there's the battles themselves, which are full RPGs. Uh, it's got a really simple RPG system, just strength and defense. They go up when you get levels up. Uh, you get levels up by getting experience, and you get experience by just doing exercises or by winning battles. And in the battles, you're fighting enemies who are all like gym equipment brought to life. Some of them look pretty <laughs> funny. They're all color-coded. So when you're attacking you're actually picking different exercises that you can do and the different exercises are color-coded. I haven't, I, I'm not a very active person. I don't know much about like actual uh, gym routines and workout sessions and things like that, but it, I know some of them is, is definitely yoga. <laughs> and mm -hmm. then there's like other things where like you're working out with the ring itself, like you're, you're pushing the ring in as fast as you can and other things like moving the ring up and down and jumping in place I, I can't describe this stuff but <laughs> it, it's all it is moving your body around and uh if you pick like a, a blue attack basically and you do that workout it's more effective against blue enemies so there's there's certain strategies that will help you move forward or you can just ignore it and just do the workout you want it's it's a ridiculous game yeah. <laughs> it's it's really colorful it's super creative whoever came up with this is a genius mm -hmm. uh but you are working out and like i'm i i'm not saying that i'm necessarily going to get into really good shape thanks to this game but it, it does tire me the more i play it and also there are difficulty levels and it, it gives you feedback every time you play it is like was your last session how did you feel about that and i can say I, it felt a little easy and this, it'll say, okay, so for this session, we're going to kick it up a few levels. And after playing it for about five days, I think I've got it right about where I want it to be. Because when I did my, my session earlier today, I got pretty winded and I was starting to getting pretty <laughs> sore. So I think I've got it right about where I need to be, where I, I feel like I've gotten a good workout, but I'm not, you know, dying. I'm not wheezing. <laughs> uh, nice. Yeah. And uh, basically, it, it'll 
let you go through a few levels and it, it's laid out like a super mario brothers 3 map after i've done two or three levels it'll say this was a pretty good session for today would you like to continue i usually say no that's good for today let's stop now and it'll give you like your stats for that day like how many calories you burned how far you've run even though i'm not running because i have the silent running mode on i'm really only playing for about a half an hour a day and there are over 20 worlds to get through i'm only in world four so i, I think mm -hmm. it's going to be a few months before i finish this game because i am playing it every day but only for about a half an hour i see myself continuing on with this in the long term like i, I i've talked about that a couple times in the past couple episodes i am looking for a new game that can just be part of my daily routine i think this one is going to be it because I, I don't know if it's going to be uh, getting my paunch belly to go away. I'm not overweight, but I, I am getting, I am developing a belly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's going to make that go away, but I do see some physical benefit to doing this every day. So I'd like to carry on with it and just to see what happens. Nice. Uh, I actually bought my wife this for Christmas. Funny story, we did our like Christmas shopping like a month in advance and we were just in a, a store and one of my uh, colleagues, uh, I think he listens sometimes, hey JJ. Uh, he'd sort of come up and be like, hey, I just bought something impulsively and it was this. And I was like, <laughs> no, you're going to bring it into her attention again and she's going to want to buy it, you fool. Uh, but yeah, so she's been very happy with it though since uh, working through. I think she's she was stuck on a boss fight for a day hmm. and just had to sort of go through that process of leveling up a bit. And Yeah, I did lose one fight, but since then I haven't had any problems, but she might be further along than me. Uh, I also, you know, I haven't been like looking over a shoulder or anything because I did not want to be that advert. <laughs> uh, so we're just letting her get on with it. Uh, she seems happy with it so far. So yeah, yeah, that's that's uh, a fun one. I'm sort of glad it exists, and I'm uh, like, like say, we all laughed at it when they did the trailer, but um, it seems like it's a good product, and uh, you know, just a, a fun way to mix up your. Uh, exercise a bit yeah so, it's just an adventure rpg uh, with exercise stuff thrown in that's a lot more engaging than we fit was like yeah. the we fit board i thought was cool but like the game with it was like this does nothing Straight to get exercise. this does nothing to make me want to play this so but this thing as soon as i saw it I was like that looks like a game i actually want to play now i'm playing it it's like yeah i want to play this so i'll definitely carry on with it for at least this year and uh, she says she's she's already feeling like her arms feel stronger which mm -hmm. is good so yeah, you there are signs of progress if nothing else i can guarantee your arms will get a workout playing this thing because <laughs> the ring uh you, you spend a lot of time squeezing and expanding that ring and it does put up a, a pretty good amount of resistance <laughs> Cool. Uh, well, that, that should cover us for this week. We'll uh, we'll wrap it up and uh, we'll we'll talk some more next week. Um, just something we were going to mention is uh, Ginny's looking like she's going to be out longer term. Um, not sure for how long, but we're going to try and arrange some guests to appear in the meantime while we, we figure out a more long term solution. So uh, all being well, if it all plays out, we'll have someone with us talking about Tokyo Mirage Sessions, which we're both playing. Let's just make that this section <laughs> yeah. uh, that's what you're planning on playing this this next week i've already started i've been playing it since last night when it came out in the u.s and i already nice. played it on wii u so i already knew i liked this game but uh, <laughs> uh it seems to still be good on switch nice I, i've installed it so i'm looking to start tomorrow night probably so uh yeah we'll uh hopefully have some decent discussion about that next week Thanks for listening to this episode of the Switch Focus podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us to get noticed. You can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, TuneIn, and other podcast services. Be sure to join our Discord server to interact with the lively Switch Focus community. You can follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and at switchfocuspodcast.com for updates, news, and other content. Links are in the show notes. If you want to support the show, you can do so by buying us a coffee. The details for that are on our website. Uh, this episode was edited by Craig Windle. You can follow him on Twitter at CraigiddyCraig, uh, and you can also follow his music career at Wimbles at Dawn. Uh, he is the guy that produced most of the interludes uh, that you hear in between our various sections, uh, and I'm sure you'll agree he's awesome. And if you want to follow uh, both me and Andrew on Twitter, you can do so. Uh, I'm at Flame Roast Toast, and Andrew is at Play Critically.
all six stones, I could simply snap my fingers. They would all cease to exist, and I call that 